The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. So speak now, Father. Speak words of life and hope and truth. Move Holy Spirit among us. Transform our hearts. Conform our lives to your will. Comfort our sorrows. Give courage to our weakness. Give steadfastness to our direction that we might walk according to the footsteps of Jesus. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I was struck by the collect we prayed this morning. I was struck by the reality that God in his providence has not set the world at peace, has he? The world we find ourselves in is not one where there is peace, peace at every corner. In fact, a good friend of mine sent me this article from the Wall Street Journal. It says, Myanmar targets other groups after ousting the Rohingya. As many of you know, I have a special affection in my own heart for Myanmar, and the church pictured in this article from the Wall Street Journal is the place where I preached last summer when I was there. It's Christ the King Cathedral. What you can't see in this picture are there are literally hundreds, if not more, it says thousands, gathered in response to the fact that the government is killing and displacing Christians from all over the northern part of Myanmar. Exactly what was done on the western edge to the Muslims, they've now moved to the north and have reignited a 40-some-odd-year-old battle, and they're burning villages and casting out Christians, displacing them, and they're running. Go to the BBC. (laughs) There's a video. Go to the BBC and Google Myanmar, and there's a video of a young mother and father who tell the story of how they had to choose between their four children which two they would take. This is the reality today in the world. For those who name the name of Jesus... Our brothers and our sisters, there is not peace in the world. And if we who know the name of Jesus and call upon him must stand, we must stand with our brothers and sisters and we must stand for the gospel. And for those of us who have the freedom to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ where we are, we must. Because for those who do not have that freedom and yet still boldly stand, we owe it to them not to compromise. We owe it to them to clearly communicate the grace of Jesus because they are living and dying to do the very same. This gospel that we believe is the only hope for the world. Our Old Testament reading shows our plight. Genesis 3 outlines the fact that every one of us born of Adam is born unto sin. Every one of us born unto Adam is born under a curse. 
That curse, is, you could summarize the curse of Adam in three things, that he was going to sweat in order to bring forth produce from the ground, right? The ground was gonna bring forth thorns and thistles, and that he would ultimately die. Our Lord Jesus in a garden called Gethsemane, as he sought to undo the curse of Adam, sweat drops of blood, had a crown of thorns placed upon his head, and died that we would not have to endure the curse of death to undo what Adam had done. And you and I this morning, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter four last week and we talked about this treasure, that you and I have been given this gospel, this gospel treasure, and, and we've been given this gospel treasure in the context of conflict, and yet we're to stand bold. And we're not to compromise on the content of our message as we looked at last week. The content of our message is Jesus Christ, Lord of all, who came and lived a holy life and died a sacrificial death and rose from the grave victorious and will come again to claim for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Dear ones, you don't have to know a whole lot, but you have to know something specific to do great things for God. You don't have to know everything, but you have to know this thing, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the light of God come into the world to dispel the darkness. He is the lamb slain to forgive the sins of the world. He is the sovereign one who is king of kings and lord of lords. You have to know those things. And as we looked at last week in the context of persecution and suffering and sorrow, we've been given the treasure, the content of this message, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And therefore, we carry about in the clay vessels of our bodies, our broken, sinful selves, we carry about this treasure, and we are going to be beaten and buffeted and pushed and crushed, but we will not despair. As Paul says, carrying about the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. We are willing to do anything and go anywhere and in, and in, and in order to make Jesus known. This is the call of the gospel. This is our charge. This is the theme of Trinity Tide. We wear these green stoles because we want to see the kingdom come. We want to see the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And in order to do that, we must be clear about what it is that we're doing. We must know that the context will be suffering. We must know the content of our message is Jesus. We must know that we are broken and weak and sorrowful, but we are the only ones to carry this good news. So how do we do this? How do we live this missionary life? How do we take the gospel? How do we have the courage of our brothers and sisters in Myanmar who will stand in, in bold defiance of a government in the face of machine guns and airplanes and bombs? How do we stand with these brothers and sisters? How do we have this courage here and now for our neighborhood, for our city? Well, we have to have three things according to this passage that we're gonna look at this morning. We must have the foundations for missional living. We must have a focus for missional living, and we must have the future assurance of missional living. Beginning in verse 13 of chapter four of 2 Corinthians, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who is raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus 
and bring us with you into his presence. Now here, dear ones, there's a few foundations for our missional living. You must have these things, these footers for your life if you want to live boldly in the context of suffering. Here they are. First of all, we have the spirit of faith. Now here, Paul takes us back to Psalm 116. Hold your finger there and flip in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 116. Paul speaks to the church in the midst of suffering, a psalm of suffering. I love in the ESV above the Psalm 116, it says, I love the Lord. (laughs) But beginning in verse eight, we don't have time to look at all of it, but it says, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted, and I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. First of all, we have to have a faith We have to have a faith like the psalmist. Even before the Lord God had come, the psalmist had the faith of God's promises, his covenant promises, that there would come a Messiah. You see, in Genesis chapter three, where we began, God not only pronounced a curse, oh, but he made a covenant promise, that there would be one who would come that would crush the serpent, that would deliver the church, his chosen people. So we too must have this faith that believes that God has delivered our soul from death, who has seen our tears, who has kept our feet, that we will walk with the Lord as long as we draw breath. We will not waver to the right or to the left. We will live for the Lord God Almighty day in and day out. He says here, what shall I render to the Lord for his benefits for me? What do I do in light of all that God has done for me? He says, I will offer the cup of salvation. Now think with me for a moment. What is the cup of salvation? When I lift that cup up, I say to you, the blood of Christ, the cup of... You see, Jesus shed his blood that we might have salvation. When the psalmist here says, I'm willing to live for Jesus, I'm I'm willing to live for God, I'm willing to follow God all the days of my life, and I'm willing to die for God if necessary. This is what the psalmist is saying, don't miss it. He's saying, look, I'm willing in the land of the afflicted to live boldly for God as long as he gives me breath, and I'm willing to die if necessary, because precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of the saints. The call of of Trinity Tide is a call to live and be willing to die if necessary to make Christ known in a broken and fallen world. There is no easy gospel that Christ preaches. There is no easy gospel that the church has to offer. There is no promise of ease. There is no promise of peace apart from Jesus. There's no undoing the suffering apart from grace. So do you have the faith of the psalmist who says, whether I live or die, I will live for Jesus? Then you also have the, have the faith of Paul. Paul said, I'm willing to live and I'm willing to die if necessary to make Jesus known among the Gentiles. Paul says, we, he includes himself. He says, I'm ready to live and I'm ready to die if necessary because I believe that Jesus Christ is the only hope. 
He's the only way. St. John Chrysostom says this, Paul has reminded us of a psalm which abounds in heavenly wisdom and which is especially fitted to encourage in dangers. For that just man uttered this saying when he was in dangers from which there was no possibility of recovery except by the aid of God. You see, dear ones, the only hope for us the only hope for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, the only hope for our brothers and sisters in our neighborhood, the only hope for the world is Jesus Christ. And the world will not know him if we do not incarnate him in our lives, if we do not have faith to live for him, to to stand for him, to proclaim him. I'm getting ahead of myself though. The second thing beyond faith is hope. Hope. He says, we have this same spirit of faith according to what has been written, and we also believe. We've also placed our life, our hope in this one who is Jesus. We have no other hope. We have no other resource. We have only one, and his name is Jesus. It's really, really easy for me to say this here in this room with air conditioning and beautiful art and windows and a lovely setting outside. It's really easy for me to say, our only hope is Jesus. We'll all leave here today and we'll go to a nice restaurant or we'll have a warm meal at home and and we'll all go back to the ease of our everyday lives. It's easy for me to say our only hope is Jesus right here. But dear ones, I've met with those who've walked through jungles and faced the enemy and said, I don't care what they say. I've seen people enter the churchyard as the police take their names down and they say, I don't care what they do. I choose Jesus. He's the only hope I have. St. Paul forsook everything for the hope of Jesus. May our faith not be so insipid as to be something that we do on Sunday for an hour. May it be the source of our life. May it be the thing that we're willing to live for. If it is, then we'll speak. We'll speak. You won't be able to shut us up. If your hope is Jesus, if your faith is Jesus, you won't be able to be quiet about Jesus. Paul says we have the spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. Philip Edgecombe Hughes says it this way, By believing, they laid hold of life. By speaking, they found death. But death in which a corruptible body is sown and an incorruptible one is harvested. (laughs) That's why Paul could say, oh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you take my earthly body, if you take my earthly life, It's only the corruptible that's passing away. The incorruptible will live on because I am in Jesus. I am seated in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. I am a part of the family of God. I am a joint heir with Christ and everything that matters will not fade away but will head on into the future. So with this foundation, faith, hope, and proclamation, the second thing I want you to see is a focus for missional living. Verse 15, he says, for it is for your sake, Paul talking to his Gentile followers, it is for your sake so that by grace 
extends to more and more people, and it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. There are three things I want you to see here. Paul says, look, we're willing to do all of this for your sake, O Gentile believers, O ones who are outside the covenant promises, O ones who are wretched and outside the camp, the broken and the sinful and the sorrowful and the forgotten. This is why we do this thing. We're willing to live and die that you might know God, that you might be welcomed into his family. There are three things he wants here. He wants more people. Do you? Are you zealous that more people know Jesus? Are you brokenhearted that people might die and go to hell without the Lord Jesus? Are you zealous that your family hear the truth of the gospel day in and day out and see it in your life? Are you eager for your neighbor to know the grace of God in the midst of their suffering? Are you ready to be the hands and the feet of compassion to the broken and the hungry? You see, this is what Paul says, I'm willing to do it all, that more of you might know Jesus. Because he, he's it, he's our only hope. He wants more people. Me too. Me too. I'll be honest with you. I would like more people here. But I'm really, really more concerned that there are more people in the kingdom. Because nobody's ever going to ask if how many people were part of Holy Trinity, Anglican Church, Madison, Mississippi. Nobody's ever going to ask that question in eternity. But they will ask this. Do you belong to Jesus? Are you with him? And I really, really want to make sure that my life is spent helping more people know more about him. I hope they come here and worship with us. I hope they join us on mission. But at the end of the day, that's not my priority. And it shouldn't be yours either. But I will ask you this. Is your office different? Is your neighborhood different? Are the lost and hurting people around you aware that you know Jesus and you're willing to touch their life no matter what, no matter how hard and dirty it is? That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'll give it all to know more people know Jesus. More, which will result in more thanksgiving. If somebody delivered you from death, you think you might say thank you? You know, you always see these stories of people who are in burning buildings and the firemen come and they rescue them or the policeman comes and delivers you from a dangerous situation. And they all, I can't wait to meet the first responder who came and saved my life. Well, here's your first responder. His name is Jesus. He has come into the fires of torment. He has come into the, the den of the devil and he's delivered you from captivity. And then do you want to say thank you? I've often heard it said you can tell the depth of a church's prayer life by the content of its thanksgivings not its intercessions. Are you aware of how much the Lord is doing and has done? Are you thankful? You see, the Lord has done more than we can imagine, and we ought to be thankful people. We ought to be people of the Eucharist, Eucharisteo, thanksgiving. We have the great thanksgiving that Christ gave his life, body and blood, that we might have life so we ought to be thankful. And we ought to live for his glory. He wants more glory, more glory to God, more people delivered, more people set free, more people loved, more people cared for. Why? So that all can say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. 
Paul says, I'll give it all for these things. The foundation of missional living, faith, hope, and proclamation. The focus of missional living, more people, more thanksgiving, more glory. And the last thing I want to show you is the future assurance of missional living in verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Through our outer self, though our outer self is wasting away, though they beat us up and buffet us, it doesn't matter. Our inner self is being renewed. How often? Day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Great book by C.S. Lewis, by the way. An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to close with this thought from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory. Near the beginning of the book, I think page, I think it's page 45 in my copy, maybe different in yours. He tells the story that our problem is not that we expect too much from God, but that we are satisfied with too little. We're like children making mud pies in the slums because we can't conceive of a fortnight at the seashore. Now, how many of you have been to 30A? Okay, I'm thinking that's what Lewis had in mind. You know, you're there, beautiful white sands, turquoise water, nice beach chair, a little umbrella, sitting there soaking it all in. He says, you can't imagine that, which is what God really has for you, because you're too satisfied making mud pies in the slums. You're too busy with the things of this world. You're too consumed with the material stuff of this life. You're too worried about what people think of you in this world. And you can't imagine that God has something all so much better. Paul got it. On the road to Damascus, he got a glimpse. And he said, oh, I don't care about the momentary afflictions of this world. I don't care about the stuff of this life. Take it all if you must. I count everything rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus. I don't care because the great treasure that I'm after is Jesus. The great hope that I have is that more people will come with me to the seashore, that will line the beach and will sing the praise to the Lord God Almighty that we've been set free from the curse of the devil. We've been let loose from the bonds of Sin, we've been redeemed. Oh, how we love to proclaim it. Brothers and sisters, this is missional life. This is the life you were called to. Don't be satisfied with so little. Live boldly for Jesus. Join our brothers and sisters who are willing to face anything for the cause of Christ. This is your mission field. What will you do with the freedoms that you have? This is your context. How will you love the people in your neighborhood? This is your calling. Will you live for Jesus? I want to close with a prayer from Clement of Rome because he said it better than I could. Bow with me and let's pray. Almighty and ever-living God, 
You are the ruler of all creation. And the whole universe is subject to your authority. Strengthen our faith, hope, and love so that we may do with loving hearts whatever you ask of us and so come to share in the life you promise. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. God's people said, Amen. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.